0: Live
1: from Seville, this is The Twilight Show with Harry Waters and you are listening live. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are, however you are, whatever you happen to be doing. I hope you are well. I most certainly am. Um, What have you been up to? Where have you been? What have you been doing? I'm really excited about this evening's uh, interview with with Taylor Vega, it's all about pronunciation and just a little bit more than that, and it's super cool because I just came out of a, a pronunciation training session. Now, many of you will will know me as you know that sustainability guy, the dude who's always talking about the planet. But funnily enough, um, I do actually do all sorts of other things as well. Um, I I do do, yes, I know, I just said do-do. I do do all sorts of other teacher training here, there, and everywhere. And, and one of my absolute favorite sessions is it's probably a 10-year-old session now. I've been doing it for about a decade. And it's called STRIP, which is Stress, Tone, Rhythm, Intonation, Pronunciation. Um, and it's all about some different fun ideas on how we can get pronunciation into our classes. Now, I've had a few chats uh, over the, I was going to say over the years then, but that wouldn't be quite right. Uh, Over the year and nine months that I've been on Teachers Talk Radio, I can't believe it's been that long already. Um, I've had a few talks with different people about pronunciation. I've learned an awful lot myself. I look back at this session that I did, that I created 10 years ago, and I think, wow, these these ideas that they still work they still function even with everything new that i've learned because what i did when i was when i was studying um pronunciation looking at it i i thought these ideas would be so much more simple to take into the classroom because they're just like bare bones ideas they're those things that you can chuck in when you've got five minutes here or there and it doesn't have to be something that you break down into every little last piece and and look at the, all the different ideas that there are there. And, and it's just super simple, a really easy way of getting pronunciation into your classroom. So if anybody does want to, to see me strip, um, not in that respect, of course, then please do get in touch. It's a, a super fun session that it just has so many ideas that you can use with your class. And and yet it brought all of these ideas back to me that it's something I've been doing for an awfully long time, as I said now. So. I was really excited to do it again and it was great to see the reception of the teachers and you know that they're all online teachers mostly teaching one-to-one so the ideas are are something that that we can take to to our one-to-one classes lessons we can take to business lessons we can do them with kids we can do them with teachers um and it's it's always fun to to joke around with people all about stripping um I did have a bit of a faux power at the end when I put all my information up on the up on the board, and I said, um, "Okay, everybody, so now you can see my bits." Um, I didn't mean bits, obviously. I meant well, not bits because you know, you're really not supposed to show those on on Zooms, uh, apparently. So I didn't actually show my bits to anybody, thank, thankfully. Well, for them mostly. Um, I don't think anyone had their magnifying glass out either. But anyway, what have you been up to this last week or so? Um, I can see that, that Tom's here and he's not been feeling well. So I want to send as many big hugs as I can to, to Tom uh, and hope he gets better uh, because everybody hates being poorly and he's been super poorly. So big hugs from me and from all the other listeners out, going out to Tom. I, that last week wasn't on. As you may or may not have realised, because I went on my first ever roadshow. Um, sounds a bit fancy, doesn't it? I I didn't think anyone would ever ask me to to go on a roadshow. To be honest, but they did. Um, I was asked by by McMillan to go on a roadshow and, and talk to people about global citizenship education in both primary and secondary schools, and I I went on a on a wee tour around Turkey got to meet some wonderful teachers who were so keen to learn more and more and more and and there's nothing that I like more than than questions and photos after a good session so it was it was really nice and I, I just want to say a huge thanks to everyone who took care of me as well um I felt really wanted which is there's nothing better than feeling wanted and and some of the people I met I would absolutely never forget um for the rest of my life there were some just truly unique people there so a huge thanks to to everybody uh, involved now we will soon be be tuning in to taylor and talking to taylor uh, all about pronunciation all about DEI, all about representation in elt she's an absolutely incredible speaker an incredible person and she's done some wonderful things to do with pronunciation in fact she's Worked with one of my heroes, but we'll get to that very shortly. Um, we'll get to to that conversation. She she is over in Brazil, so it is a recorded conversation. So if you do have any questions for Taylor, please do put them in the chat or get in touch with us. You can find us on all over the place. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Insta. We're literally everywhere. You you know tomorrow you're gonna open your cornflakes. So you're gonna be like, yeah, Teacher Talk Radio are in my cornflakes. Or are you more crunchy nut kind of person? Um, Are crunchy nut just Frosties with a tiny bit of nuts on I don't know. I'm a huge crunchy nut fan, but don't get me wrong. I love Frosties as well. I could sit here and talk to you all day about different cereals, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're here for. Um, You're here for all sorts of other bits and pieces. So we will be getting into that very, very shortly.
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news
2: the latest budget has come under scrutiny from many quarters with many working in education frustrated about a lack of focus on funding for education as a whole many have made comments on the four billion pounds plan for childcare announced by chancellor jeremy hunt with Paul War writing an opinion piece for the i newspaper. In the piece, War refers to gaping holes in the plan to provide free childcare for working parents of under fives. Childcare providers have already warned of the lack of funding detailed in the plan, and school leaders have expressed concerns that more money will need to be found from their already stretched budgets if the proposed wraparound care is to be provided. Critics have pointed out that the new policy doesn't apply to those in apprenticeships or training, and that there is no plan to ensure that an adequately trained workforce will be in place to deliver. The government has responded by proposing changes to the staff to child ratio, moving from 1 to 4 to 1 to 5, but this has also raised concerns about a dilution of care. Since the budget announcement, many local authorities have published figures detailing how many children might qualify for a place in childcare under the scheme versus how many places are on offer at this time. Figures broadly suggest that, across the country, demand would far exceed places available. Many media outlets report on talks between England's education unions and government ministers. The talks will be met with what both sides describe as a period of calm for two weeks with no further strike dates announced. It comes after breakthrough talks with unions representing other public sector workers, including nurses and ambulance crews. The National Education Union said in a statement that it had, along with the NASUWT, NAHT and ASCO, agreed to intensive talks with Education Secretary Gillian Keegan, The announcement comes after walkouts in Wales and Scotland were postponed whilst unions ballot members on improved offers from the respective devolved governments. In Sunderland, The Echo reports on how former Lioness Jill Scott is helping girls have equal opportunities in football, after a pitch in Jarrow was opened in her honour. Scott was part of the England team who lifted the Euro 22 trophy last summer. While she's retired from playing the game, her involvement continues. In a speech as part of the opening of the new facilities, she said that girls and women's football would take priority on the new pitches. The pitches boast floodlights and 3G playing surfaces and were jointly funded by the government, the FA and the Premier League's Football Foundation. The new facilities link closely to the letter Scott and her teammates wrote to Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, then Conservative leadership candidates, demanding all girls get the chance to play football at school. Scott said, I fell in love with football at school, and pointed out that everyone should have the chance to do the same. Finally, ITV News reports on comedian Jason Manford's surprise appearance at a Leeds primary school. The comic was invited to the school after a video of him conducting an audience at one of his live shows in a sing-along of popular Assembly songs went viral. The Assembly's Bangers sketch has since inspired a fundraising single with profits donated to food bank charity, the Trussell Trust. The comedian joined in with renditions of This Little Light of Mine, Lord of the Dance, and he's got the whole world in his hands. Footage of the visit is already making the rounds on Twitter. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about DeepFake. DeepFake uses artificial intelligence to create an image or video that appears to be real but isn't. Amazingly, it's quite easy to do. It starts with a video or image of the target being uploaded to a DeepFake provider DeepFake provider found via a quick internet search. The AI then takes over and maps the landmark points of the target's face just like the filters you find on popular social media apps. This is then overlaid onto another video or text-based script and hey presto, you have control of what somebody is saying doing, wearing, or even not wearing. Oh wow. Detecting a deep fake is getting harder and harder. It started with people not blinking, but that was fixed pretty quickly. Sadly, there are lots of people making use of this for the wrong reasons, and our young people are being left to wonder what is real and what isn't. There's even something called a shallow fake where an original video or audio is doctored using simpler editing tools to change the original message. The main questions you need to ask yourself are, why is this video being shared? When was the video published? Is the message something you'd never expect from that person? And who gains from this video? As always, if you have a tech question, why not send it to at Official? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk
1: Radio. Thank you very much, Joe and Steve. Now, deep fake is something that absolutely terrifies me, I have to say. Particularly, you know, with a with a nine-year-old daughter, um, and the things that are happening with deep fake, you know, the, the future for that is is terrifying and something that does really worry me about where things are going. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I I like the idea of using AI. I use AI in my teaching, I use AI in my materials creation. But yeah, there are some things that just aren't really okay. And deep fakes for me are something that do worry me a huge amount. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. And that being the, the conversation I had very recently with somebody who is my birthday twin. I don't have many birthday twins. Well, I probably do. I probably have millions and millions across the planet, but not many that I actually know. Um... So one of whom is Taylor Vega, who's a Trinity Insert T-cell, um and Deep DIP T-cell tutor and also a DEI consultant. Um, and she, as I say, lives in Brazil and she shares my birthday, which incidentally is on Friday. So anybody who would like to send me hugs or, I don't know, high fives or, I don't know, a fist bump as well, if you so desire, please feel free to send them all virtually uh, to me, wherever you like, um, but also send them to Taylor. So I didn't even realise uh, when we did the interview that, that Taylor was my birthday twin, so sadly as Aryans, we didn't get to talk about all of the wonderful things um, about our star sign because that is, of course, a very important thing in life, um, and I completely believe in all of that nonsense um but that's just my opinion so um here is taylor vega and i if you do have any questions feel free as i said do chuck them into the chat or of course you can send them to me um, or to teachers talk radio where wherever you like wherever you like so here's taylor and i hello taylor thank you so much for joining us it's an absolute pleasure to have you here um, and for anybody who is uh, listening, this is a recorded interview, so Taylor won't be able to respond immediately, but I'll do my best to respond. Sorry. Taylor, hi.
3: Hi, Harry. How's it going?
1: it's it's very well. Um a little chilly, but it, it's going it's going pretty well. So, as I do with everybody when when they come on the show, obviously, um you're very welcome. I'm delighted to to have you on. Well, I'd like to know a little bit about your your journey in ELT.
3: Well, I started in ELT 21 years ago, 21 this year. Uh, So I think I've done a little bit of everything. I started obviously as a teacher and slowly kind of moved into teacher education, teacher training um more recently materials writing and editing and also as a consultant i've been a school coordinator so i i think i've done a little bit of everything but there's still things that i want to do that i haven't really done so it's it's funny how when we think of B.L.T., we immediately think of teaching and and that's wonderful because that's what we'd love to do and that's how most of us started but it is a really broad field. So you can do many other things and uh, never ceases to amaze me, like how many opportunities and things we get to do uh, in ELT. It's,
1: it's crazy, isn't it? Things just keep popping up out of nowhere. I mean, the other day, someone. It is
3: crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I said, Would you like to do a voiceover? And I was like, Yeah, sure. I'll do a voiceover. I've not done one before. And like these just weird things just pop out of everywhere. I, I love it. So varied. now i introduced you as a pran expert um so i'm going to quiz you a little bit about pran now i love okay. it was i had a, a kind of deep obsession with pran around 2013 to 2016 i got you know i, I immersed myself very deeply in pran and um, what had really annoyed me at the time and there was a guy who was doing the delta course with me and he also loved pron, but he loved pron and all the really, really teffily words for pron, you know, and, and he'd, you know, talk about how he was talking to his class about elision. And, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, it was like the antithesis of everything I wanted to be in the classroom. Right? I I saw him and it just oh, it made, me, oh, it made me so mad. So I kind of took this more simple approach to pron, more um, teachable approach to pron. And that's when i i came across mark hancock um and had a huge kind of fanboy moment and, and it's like wow got a bit obsessed there and i like, used a lot of his uh, ideas and stuff to to guide me so um how did you get into pron
3: well it's not the best uh, story but i'm gonna tell it well i, I got very interested in pronunciation as a student um i was obsessed with rp i really wanted to sound uh british which now i understand might not have been a very smart goal uh so i i just as a student i did a lot of things like i i taught myself the phonemic alphabet i you know i I tried to see exactly what what were the features what were the things that made that specific accent um unique and uh to me at the time uh, special and then as as i continued learning and studying i realized that hmm, first it didn't really sound natural to me so it was always a little bit forced because mm-hmm. it wasn't the way that i would normally speak um being originally from brazil and and with Portuguese being my first language it, it just just things wouldn't really connect uh but then as I, as then I went to university and started studying you know linguistics and all these things and then I realized that my, I don't really have to speak like that I wanted to but it something just didn't really click it wasn't part of my identity i still love that specific accent but just like i love many different specific accents these days and then as i understood okay so why do i love this particular accent more than for instance nigerian english or what we understand as nigerian english because of these power relations and then as i understood that more I tried to, you know, focus on being intelligible, being myself and expressing myself through English. And uh so I think that's how it started as a learner.
1: It started in that horrible way. Oh, it makes me feel so horrible bad when I don't think way. about that. That yeah. it's it's so drummed into a lot of parents, especially. Um, and it's it's one of the the huge, you know. I'm saying this with inverted commas, native, non-native debate things. Um, It's one of the biggest ones, and particularly here in Spain. And it it comes up a lot of, you know, we need to have a native teacher for the pronunciation. And it's like, I'm really sorry. I'm very, very sorry. But one in maybe 150 of these kids are going to develop, you know, a very different accent, are going to develop the British accent because of their teacher. It's like a it's a needle in a haystack thing it it does happen you know it it has happened that like students develop that accent without going to another country and you know growing up there basically um but it's it's this idea of it that you know you must have somebody who speaks and I've it's favoured me a lot in my career I'm you know I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie about it I've I've got more jobs because of it uh, but it's just infuriating this idea that that's the way you need to speak. So that's why we're going to hire this teacher.
3: No, I, I completely agree with everything that she said. It's, it did start in a horrible way. And I feel this is starting to change, but I think it's high time it changed. Because if we've been talking about these things, like academically speaking, for a long time um longer than i've been in the field so it's 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 really a shame and it's usually in countries like spain or brazil where uh so-called native teachers are are more valued and and it's just sad it's just sad that we won't embrace uh the people from our own countries who are experienced who studied to do this job who are qualified so I, I think that that's really really sad.
1: But also the 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 big thing with that as well is the empathy that is there, of being a learner of of the language. You have that. You've been in that person's shoes. Like it's, you know, you can you can really empathize with them. I I have learned how to speak Spanish, so you know I, I have that le- language learning thing. But it's. Me learning Spanish isn't the same as a Spanish teacher learning English and then teaching English again to someone else because they've got the learning experience. They know what they found difficult. Maybe the grammar was particularly difficult or the pronunciation of this word. So, again, it, you know, I don't want this to become a native non-native debate, but just in terms of, of pronunciation, it's it's you know, it's it's a huge factor in it. It's it really is. But you did mention it's changing.
3: I feel it's changing um because a lot of people have been talking about this for quite quite a long time and uh well when you think about it it's not even sustainable because okay you want to have a native uh, english uh, speaker teacher but where exactly is this teacher coming from and okay so I want my teacher to be north american okay so like one that is from Canada. Or would you like one to from the United States? Depending on where you are from the United States, they're going to sound very different uh, to what we understand as standard American English. So you see, there are so many variables. That's why also whenever we talk about these terms, native non-native, we always using inverted commas because it, it's they're just so difficult to define. Mm-hmm. Like what makes a native teacher? And like so I feel it's changing because I think people are realizing that first it's not sustainable. And then uh as the market changes, I don't know if you've if you've observed this in Spain, but this has going on here in Brazil for quite some time now, which is um the the bilingual education has become more popular, and bilingualism and everything. And with that, you have some theories related to bilingualism, like translanguaging and, and things like that. So I think people are starting to wake up a little bit um, because of bilingualism, perhaps. And well, bilingual is not just English, so you're, you're going to have at least another language in the mix and in many places you're going to have a multilingual uh, setting and that's wonderful so i feel it's changing but like baby steps really really slowly
1: unfortunately it's true because you know i I remember hearing the term the term elf english is a lingua franca when talking about elf pronunciation um and like i've been teaching for 15 years And it wasn't until very recently that this idea of elf pronunciation came up like all the pronunciation in all books has always Mm -hmm. been well in that i've taught has always been rp and even you know within the uk you you drive 15 minutes and the the name for your bun has changed anyway you know or the name for your bread roll has changed to another name like and that's just 15 minutes. everything changes in like a second even in the uk so the fact that it's been this this solid lump that that everybody has to teach and you know in all the books it comes with that pronunciation it's it's so i don't know um fulfilling to see that there are textbooks coming out now with you know this idea of english as a lingua franca and this pronunciation that isn't just the uk or just the us
3: yeah yeah and i and some people okay so what were what were we doing to do in the classroom people always ask me that because um, teachers sometimes and, and as a teacher i love recipes as well i love things that have been tried and tested and that i know they're going to work in my classroom but the thing with pronunciation is uh, you have to consider your students and what their needs are so maybe my specific group of students need to learn about german english because they have um meetings with german germans on a weekly basis so then it it doesn't mean that they have to speak like people who are from germany but they need to be able to understand and as much as you expose students to different accents this is just going to be better for them because uh It's not just about exposure. It's also about awareness. So I feel that once students understand differences, they're going to be able to make their own choices. I really believe in that. Just just like as a student, for for stupid, silly reasons, I wanted to sound a certain way. And understanding that particular accent helped me achieve that. Um, And then later on, I realized that that was not really for me. didn't really believe in that anymore. Our students have agency, so they're going to decide, but they need to be able to know. Okay, so if you make these decisions, you're going to be more intelligible to a certain group of people. If you make those other decisions, maybe some other people will understand you differently and think that perhaps you, to them you sound more natural. Uh, so, what is it that you want? Right?
1: yeah I, think, I really believe in that I, yeah absolutely and something else you, you really touched on there that um that I've touched on in the past with 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 other guests um and that's to do with pronunciation and listening you know people are so obsessed that pronunciation is all about the way you sound so and that, like that's you know so I can pronounce this and this and this and then they stop they don't look at the fact that you need pronunciation for listening. You know, if you can't understand what's being said, if you can't hear what's being said, how are you ever going to be able to produce it? And how are you ever gonna be able to have a conversation with someone if you're sitting there thinking, what has that person just said? Which
3: is often what happens when students travel. Yeah, what has this person just said, regardless of the country? Maybe they, they're going to go to the UK, to the US, to Canada, to Australia. But there are going to be these moments and these moments are also natural. Students have to be prepared for these moments in which they're just not going to have a clue because intelligibility doesn't happen in a, in a in a vacuum. Like this intelligibility doesn't happen just me here in my bedroom speaking to myself. There's got, there's got to be at least one more person and from there we're going to to reach some level of intelligibility it takes some time for a person to get used to another person's accent regardless of where they come from so you might have to put on quote, native speaker native speakers and there's going to be this moment of accommodation adaptation and that's fine that is normal that is expected that's just how communication works and that's usually something that our our students um, are not really aware of and then it's sad because if they don't understand, for instance, you speaking uh, the way that you speak, they're going to think that they are a failure, that they are never going to learn the language. And I don't think that's the case. I think sometimes it just takes some effort on both parts to make communication happen.
1: Yeah, I, that actually just brought back a really vivid memory for me when when I was um when I was living in Brazil. Uh I had a a student called Rafa who took me along to Fluminense and you know we became very good friends. Um I used to live near that club. Oh uh, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, could, I could see um, you on that you street. Talking. Oh, really? Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um there's the statue of the goalkeeper with four fingers I seem to remember inside the club. Um mm-hmm a vague memory of that um but yeah i i also made friends with a guy called takuro when i was traveling from japan and i remember when those two met like we were communicating in english like it was only in english because my portuguese at the time went about as far as voce é muito linda that was about literally all I, that was literally all i could say um, and it's
3: and it's funny that you learned exactly the like for, for the people who are listening to us who don't speak Portuguese, it was like the phrase that would, you would say to a female, so let's make that very clear, so you really learned uh,
1: Portuguese for very specific purposes. Yes, say. yes, well, I've been there <laughs> only a few days, only a few days, um, very, very specific. And my, my Japanese stretched as far as kinoshita, which apparently means under the tree and that was Takura's surname and he told me that's what it meant so at the time that was all of the Japanese on you um so yeah we were speaking in English but for the first day that we were together they they couldn't understand each other's pronunciation in English so I was in the middle kind of interpreting the English of one English to another English but I saw like I, we were together for like three days in the end by the end of the three days it was you know they'd caught onto each other's like wavelength and they could understand each other's speaker. and it was just amazing to, to, to sit and watch and at the time I had no idea that that was them learning pronunciation at the time I was just like this is so cool um, and now I'm like this is so cool that's pronunciation like a combination of the two learnings yeah
3: yeah it is really cool right pronunciation is really cool it's one of the coolest things so understand why
1: i love brown because i love brown so there you go i definitely put it up there so now um i'd like to talk a very a little bit about uh mark hancock um i mentioned uh him very briefly earlier now when i got obsessed with pronunciation it was down quite a lot to mark hancock and um so I'd, i'd been a fan of his for quite a long time and i'd i'd Bumped into him once at Atheo, and I kind of giggled and shook his hands as he walked past, as he was going into his talk and I was going into mine. Um, and then in 2020, just before, in the February before lockdown over here, there was a, an international house uh, conference in in Barcelona, and he was there. And I, I was working for for a publisher at the time, like standing on my stand with my workmate, and I was like, oh look it's Mark Hancock it's Mark Hancock and she was just like who I was like it's Mark Hancock it's like it's like the king of pronunciation he's over there and you know she was like go talk to him go talk to him I was like no I'm not going to talk to him I can't talk to him and I sort of went <laughs> over there I was like hi hi Mark I think you're really good <laughs> just you know head in hand embarrassment like I've I've been like that once in my life before. And that was when I was 21. I saw the band backstage when I went to see We Are Scientists. And it was that kind of level of, of you know, embarrassment. And just it, it was brilliant. It was hilarious. And looking back on it, because, you know, this very lovely guy, obviously, kind of laughed my approachable. Um, But how did you how did you two connect? Well, I was
3: organizing um... Well, actually two conferences here in Brazil. So the first um contact that I had with him was I don't know how many years ago. We were having a pronunciation week here in Brazil. It was an online event. And we, we got to start. I, I knew his work before, because obviously I had used uh, pronunciation games and uh I was I was we were all huge fans of his work. And then I I was organizing this conference and I was also presenting and uh, I was at the time talking about ELF for pronunciation. And uh, I can't remember, was it talking about listening? Oh my God, I can't remember. But then, as I was one of the organizers, I was dealing directly with speakers and he was just such an easygoing person and you know sometimes people when we have these people that we whose work we follow and we, we kind of create expectations right and our expectations don't always match like the person
1: uh-huh.
3: right to, to the idol the, like this almost mythical creature that we have created in our heads and he was super kind super appro- approachable from the get-go um and then we We all loved so much the experience of working with him uh, online that we brought him to Brazil um, to our conference, to a a conference that used to happen annually, um, but still hasn't happened uh, after COVID. So we kind of put that on hold, yeah. Cause COVID here was very crazy. Like lots of people died, like more than, I think it was, the second place, I think, probably the first place in which more uh, more people died was the U.S. But here it was like almost seven hundred thousand people, so it was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. COVID here hit us really hard, but this was all pre-COVID, and we brought him here. And at the time, and a little before that, I was going to teach a pronunciation course, and I wanted to have Mark as like a guest tutor yeah and that's how it all started and i i just never left him and just never let him let him go and we've been going on for again i don't know how many years um but he's he's better uh keeping track of things so this is our 10th edition we're going to have a 10th edition of our course so i think this is our fifth year yeah
1: that's uh and that
3: course became our course Yeah. yeah
1: It's uh, I, I do see it widely publicised. This uh, people should all check it out. Obviously, um, ten courses—that's exceptional. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, so let's move on. We're gonna take a a fork in the road now, and we're gonna move in it in a different direction. So I mentioned at the start, you're a pronunciation expert. I also mentioned right. um, you're a DEI consultant. Now, I'd like to look back at a a post. That um Peter well refer to a post that Peter fuller posted a couple of weeks back. Um calling out um publishers, well not calling out, quest asking. He didn't call out, he was he was asking publishers if they could um direct him in the way of any LGBTQI um plus materials or um any figureheads or you know. Anything like that, you know, a, a nice coverall. Can you please show me where to go for my talk so I can I can look at it? And from what I saw from the shares and, and from what he posted, there was no direct response to him saying, "Hey, go to page seventeen in our textbook, and you will see this here." So it leads me to to the question of representation. Do you think that E L T is anywhere near good enough in terms of representation for the LGBTQI plus community? It's a big question.
3: I think you know the answer already. And I think people listening to us at home know the answer already. And no, it isn't, it isn't anywhere near what we need because publishers just shy away from LGBT. Uh, plus issues just like they shy away from very important things such as race such as uh, special uh, disabilities sexism so unfortunately the it's i think we're having some improve. we've been having some improvements over the years but the textbooks as a whole there's still this very like sanitized, white, upper middle class place in which people are always traveling, they're always traveling abroad. And it just doesn't really reflect most people's realities. It certainly doesn't reflect all residents' realities. And um, particularly when it comes to LGBT uh, plus issues, Mm, you you have some like in windows here and there so you have these like sometimes you have like two characters that are always together always appear together but never something explicit and that is just so bad because first there there are lgbt plus students in the classroom they cannot see themselves in that material and for the students who are not lgbt they had to live with lgbt people were just everywhere, right? Just like they had to to live with people with special needs, people who are um, uh, black, brown, people from uh, religions that are not considered the norm, for instance, people who are Muslim. So I feel course books in general do a really, really bad job. And, and I understand that usually when you're a publisher, you want your course book to be, um, you want to be able to use a certain series in as many countries as possible, but like something's gotta change and it's gotta change fast because our students nowadays, they're much more empowered. So they want to see themselves in those materials and some publishers are starting to realize that they have like dni di policies and some regulations because they are going to start losing money
1: yeah but well, that's, that's not exactly. because they're
3: really nice and concerned about diversity it's because they know they're going to lose money and we are in 2023 people now yep days there are LGBT people who are stakeholders who are in positions of power so hopefully some of those uh get to to be in those places in those spaces where those decisions are made and really decide that they're really going to push this um agenda like this Equity agenda that we we desperately need
1: I think something that you you said in there that really jumped out well quite a lot really jumped out of me I'll be honest but one of the things that the, you pointed out um that jumped out of me um I'm not a member of the LGBTQ community and I remember when I was learning and when I've been teaching never having almost any reference to teach from in the book um and then well I, I'm going to go again beyond that and like you know race and even like even gender as well like looking for a a strong black female in history i can't think of one that i've ever taught in any course book ever right so for me as a teacher it may, it makes it more difficult then imagine the the number of students in the class who then don't have the exposure to to other things that aren't the same as them if you don't have that exposure mm-hmm. it's going to be much more difficult to understand the the things that aren't you so You know, if if you teach in an all-boys school and your book has quotes from 10 men throughout history going through the, the list of quotes for each unit, then you're gonna have that reinforced in your mind, you know, and rather than having any kind of external influence. So it's so important that that books do represent those who are within that community, but also show those people in the community to those who aren't in the community to show them hey look it's here it's happening Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day we're just all people who want basically the same things we want to have a like job a stable life we want to to love not be afraid of i don't know getting shot in the head and at the end of the day okay it's language teaching yeah the language it's teaching is education and it's part of education to teach the person you teach the individual you don't teach them you don't teach the book whatever it is in the book so I feel it's very important regardless of the age group that we're working with to to have a a space that is inclusive because unlike some other minority groups for instance when we talk about black people the student is visibly black or brown or Asian, right? But when the student is LGBT, that is not always so obvious. Because LGBT, first we we have this very big acronym that just grows and grows and grows. So certain things are just not visible. So you might have LGBT students and you just don't know, you you probably have, and and you just don't know. And uh, so, how are you going to better serve these people and contribute, make your contribution to make this world a better place for them and a better place for the people who perhaps do not identify with them, but are their brothers, their sisters, their mothers? Because people have, <laughs> might come as a surprise, but LGBT people have families too. <laughs> they are productive members of society so how are you going to make the society a little bit better
1: it is something again that you mentioned there that it's not just english that you're teaching and it's not just maths that you're teaching it's not just you know geometry that you're teaching you say you're you're teaching the person and as a teacher um you, you sometimes command the respect of your students you know you sometimes have an influence on your students you're you know, particularly with primary students as well, when they are more malleable, let's say, um, and they're more accepting to new ideas. As a teacher, you're with them as much of the day as their parents are with them. You know, if you have your class for five sometimes hours a day, more. exactly, sometimes more. So your influence on a child is enormous. It's 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 beyond what you can possibly even think about. And to imagine that, you know, all we're going to do is make sure they can pass their all we're going to do is make sure they you know they understand the schwa um you know we're going to do much more than than just that we're we're teaching these these people how to be people and it it takes me back to the um a session uh, uh, an interview i did with with bianca Peel about um social and emotional learning like it's such an important part of education that even in the moments where you're teaching from the you're teaching your students how to build their relationships, how to you know work with other people, how to work on their own and manage themselves. And it's so important that we do add add all aspects of of, of DEI in into our teaching. And we need to shout about people throughout history and and shout out the current people and and make them the focus of our of our textbooks of our worksheets of our online sessions i
3: completely completely agree completely agree with you and the thing is how do you want to be remembered do you want to be remembered as the person who talks the verb to be I personally don't remember who that person was for me. Just a disclaimer. Or you want to be remembered as someone who who's helped um, your student broaden the world and hopefully be a more accepting person. I'll take the second option. That's a question for the people in the audience. Yeah, me too. Me too.
1: Definitely the second option. Um, When we
3: get into education, usually we're just not in it for the money, right?
1: I mean, the money is useful. The money is useful. That's not the reason for it.
3: fundamental, but... Yeah,
1: Yeah, um, um, it's true. It's true. We don't get... We certainly don't get into it for the money. And, you know, I... That's not an excuse for to be mistreated as a teacher and not be paid properly. Obviously, just because we that don't get a lot of money doesn't mean we don't deserve to be paid more. But yeah, you know, you want to make a change on someone's life. You want people to to remember you. And yeah. I remember reconnecting with a student I had from uh, from Vietnam, and I was his teacher when he was eight, and he's now. not eight anymore. Um, He's in his 20s. So and he still (laughs) reminds me like, oh, your classes were the best. Remember that time you brought in a potato? And he's just like, yes, not to teach the verb to be modal verbs. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that that now it's it then when you know, back even just 10 15 years ago these issues were sadly not nearly as prominent they weren't as in the news You know, these they, they weren't talked no. about and they weren't shouted about on social media now there are some wonderful people on social media um saying some amazing things and creating some incredible resources another shout out again there to, to peter fuller who is amazing Love the um He's just brilliant, just wonderful. Um, but, oh, social media, that reminds me of something. Um, so I saw, so Emma Hademan was talking about it the other day, but it's something I've seen for a while. Um, and it's on on LinkedIn, where it has the, the thing where you can pronounce your name. Um, I don't know if you know about that. Uh,
3: I don't option. actually. There
1: you go. It's something, because it would be perfect for you because you've got a difficult name to pronounce, and you love pronunciation.
3: Do you think my name is difficult to pronounce? Uh, come on.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I don't think Vega.
3: It's you, you're, you live in Spain. Yeah, it can I, be that difficult. I, for me, the I wouldn't
1: point. say it's difficult. I would say it's quite easy. But if, an, you know, we've got to think about the, the poor native English speakers who would be reading this. Those poor native English. They so sometimes have up. a hard time. Oof! I can't imagine that vajia do you ever get vajia i forget
3: i forget to viega, which is weird because sometimes they they just switch the the, the vowels oh, yeah. from the first syllables which doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> uh,
1: you know. This, those those English people aren't great at reading, you know. This, they, they they really struggle with these foreign names.
3: It's not just the English. It's <laughs> not just the English. I had to tell you.
1: No, of course. Um, so yeah, I, I just I noticed that function, and as I say, Emma Haydeman was talking about it. And I was like, oh, this will be perfect. This will be perfect to talk about. So so there you go. There's a new feature of LinkedIn. I didn't there.
3: know about that. But,
1: uh, there you awesome. go. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I can. Because it's such an features.
3: important part. No, you certainly did. Third important part of teaching uh, is acknowledging the person who's there in your classroom. And that comes with the very basic thing of learning their names, like learning to pronounce your students' names. And come on, if we've learned uh, how to say Tchaikovsky, you can learn how to say everyone's names.
1: yeah yeah that's one of the things that really struck me about my my teaching career when I was in China and that was students coming up to me just saying oh what can my English name be like and it's like immediately like of of everything within your identity so you know to be represented in that class you know taking away straight away your name Like literally the thing that is attached to you, like maybe, you know, perhaps you want to change your name. That's fine by by all means. But Mm -hmm. your own name is, you know, if someone then says to you on top of that, oh, I'm going to change that because I can't pronounce that. And that's it. Like, I can't pronounce your name. So I'm going to call you Tommy. What? What? (laughs) Like, it's absurd. How
3: crazy is that? It is. And and It it happens in some schools it does it happens till this day for instance there is this school in brazil it it does there is a school in brazil they do that with the teachers so the teachers once they start working there they have these like i I can't even call it a nickname because it's just so crazy so for instance i knew this teacher called called Which is a common name in Portuguese, a common name in Spanish, Guilherme, a common name in Italian, I think. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's also common in Italian. And there he was Bill. Like,
1: because uh. <laughs> uh, Guillermo is William in English. They changed it from William to Bill. Like, yeah, why not? Of course. Like, it's funny. It's... I I do that here in, in Spain if someone says, ah, oh, Harry, eso que es en español. And Harry is a diminutive of Henry, and Henry is Enrique, so therefore Harry is Quique. And they're like, ¿entonces tú eres Quique? And I'm like, yes, I'm Quique. If you want to do that, if you want to translate my name, fine, go ahead. But, you know, I'm, it's, you're going to have, they're like, but it sounds like Javi. And it's like, might sound like it, but it's Quique. So if you want to give me my Spanish name, that's it. And they're just like, that doesn't really work. And it's like, it's not because you don't translate your name. You don't need to translate it to the, exactly. other. keep your name. Identity, if you, you know, it's 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 your name. It, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's, and yeah, it, it is. just because of the difficulty of pronouncing it, I find this difficult to say. So I'm going to change it. No, yeah. Anyway, um, and
3: you see how funny this is. For instance, your your name is Harry and your nickname is Harry. I think most Harrys, most herrings, have that that, that nickname. If the Prince? Harry, which I didn't know that his name was Henry. Oh, my like, name is actually uh, Harry.
1: His... My name is actually Harry. It's officially on uh, my... your
3: yours is Harry. Yeah, okay. I am like Harry
1: Potter. You know, I am I am okay. Harry Potter. The, the same
3: okay. Okay. But but take Prince Harry, for instance, whose name, uh, birth name is Henry. Mm-hmm. The 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 when we think about names and and Certain and surnames and, and nicknames. Look how much affection there is in those things. So maybe okay, he's Henry that became a Harry, and his wife calls him H, for instance. Because I've I've seen like in interviews, megan mark talking him. about him and say, okay, so H blah blah blah, H did this, H did that. So there is so much love embedded in these things. So. I, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to me that someone would want to mess that up. Like,
1: yeah, because it's yeah, it's something yeah, it's and yeah, all for the sake of pronunciation. Often it's just I don't know. I find it, I find it bizarre. Um, and yeah, that too. yeah. But you know, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere. That's a, that's a good place to start with somebody's name. But I, I completely agree with you when it's when it comes to getting to know. my students I, I try and make sure within the first class I've got all their names um but it's not just with my students it's with people that I meet you know I try and remember their name and if I forget their name I'll say to them I'm really sorry I've forgotten your name rather than just ignore it and just go on about my day like oh I'll remember it one day or something that I've got as a like being a parent and going to school and being in WhatsApp groups or whatever, it just becomes like um, madre de Nadia. Like that'll be the like the number in my phone. So maybe like that, they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. it'll be sent by somebody else to me, and it's like Nadia's mum. And it's like, what's Nadia's mum's name? <laughs> Nadia's mum is Esther. We can put that name there. It's fine. It's not a problem. So yeah, it's like all of them. And but but then there, I have to admit, there is there is there is one one person um whose whose name i i always forget i always when i when i see her her name's sonia um lovely lovely lady she she walks her dogs when i walk my dog um and they the the dogs are good friends so she's Edel and iron's mum and whenever i go out there suddenly i draw a blank and it's like i've forgotten sonia's name again um I don't know. It's, you know, you could. It happens. You you know these these things happen, but you have to work in ways to make sure you don't. You know, in the classroom, you don't forget their names, or if you do forget someone's name, just be honest and ask about it.
3: Be honest. Yeah.
1: Mm. Sorry, there. Um, t- had to take a nice sip of water. Um, I am going to let you be on your way. Um, uh, with a huge thank you for for helping us out today um it's been it's been absolutely wonderful um how can how can followers um get in touch with you connect with you that uh, listeners as well um speak to you more about about your course maybe the eleventh one when it comes out next as well and then the twelfth and then the thirteenth and then the fourteenth
3: then <laughs> the tenth yeah. uh well i think the place where i'm most active social media wise is instagram so if they're on instagram they can follow um tvegaelt and they'll they'll find me there i'm also on linkedin but as as you noticed i don't use linkedin that often but i always try to check it at least like once a week so if people want to connect i'm on linkedin as well and uh, let's keep the conversation going like if people need some pronunciation advice and uh, perhaps some direction i'll be just more than glad to help
1: amazing thank you so much uh, for joining us and i'll speak to you soon
3: thank you
1: (laughs) so that was uh taylor and i speaking it it was so wonderful to to have her on to you know she opened my eyes to a lot of things It it was such a a wonderful experience now thinking about pronunciation and we we talked about it a bit and we touched on it a bit and she mentioned how how when she was getting into pronunciation it's because she wanted that that rp she wanted to 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 sound british i mean i don't know why anyone would want to sound british i certainly don't want to but you know sometimes you just got to live with what you got um but she mentioned that and i think you know as a as a language learner myself and as a as a teacher and somebody who speaks often with people in english with who who aren't necessarily english this somebody's accent is so much different to pronunciation and it's a confusion that often happens and people get really bogged down with this and they want to sound british but you you don't need to sound british or canadian or american or australian it's it's a true sign that you've done something huge with your life. You know your own accent is your accent. You know if you are from Spain and you speak English, you know you shouldn't need to speak with uh, an English accent. You you sound wonderful as you are. It shows the the effort that you've gone into. You know if if you are from Italy or or Turkey and or or Brazil and you you speak with a different accent go ahead don't be afraid don't be ashamed to speak with that accent i'm sure it's absolutely wonderful i've you know i've i spent last week over in turkey and you know it i spoke to so many different teachers and all of their accents were wonderful and their their english was far better than my turkish will ever be you know every single person i spoke to there so you know don't try and sound like someone else sound like yourself of course work on your pronunciation so it is intelligible um but don't worry about that and now another little thing um that we were talking about at the end with names and it reminded me of something that happens to me an awful lot here in spain actually it's very strange i don't know why um but for some reason now this has happened on 3 separate occasions for some reason people think that and they just assume rather than asking me what my name is they just go ahead and assume that my name is richard now i don't know i I could make an obvious joke here that perhaps i look like a bit of a dick but you know i'm not going to say that because i'm live on the radio um but it's strange i don't know do i look like a richard I, i'm not sure uh, so yeah i was it's happened three times once with somebody who lived in the block of flats uh, with me, you know, she was just walking along. she said, ah, oh, Richard, come here. And I was like, Richard, who's Richard? And yeah, she just always assumed my name was Richard. And then, uh, another time I was just walking down the street and somebody just shouted Richard at me for no reason. And then again, another neighbor from around here, uh, then went ahead and called me Richard. So she was, a a parent of one of my, one of my students and yeah, I it, it was so bizarre, uh, but then after that, just as a joke, I, I started calling her Raquel, and I knew I knew her name was Conchi, but just as a joke, um, <laughs> so Tyson had said that he would have guessed Harold, well, you know, I'll take that, it's, it's not that bad, some people actually call me that in an, in an affectionate way, I guess, but yeah, so this, this lady who was calling me Richard, I called her Raquel as a joke, uh, and then about six months later, I spoke to her again, and I had forgotten her name, and for some reason, the name Raquel popped into my head, so I said it again. <laughs> Uh, and she just sort of looked at me and said, my name's Conchie. And I was like, oh yeah, I did know that. But um, yeah, I kind of had forgotten after you called me Richard. But yeah, so that's uh, one of the, the things that was was interesting. I guess, you know, maybe I look like a Richard. It's who knows. Anyway, <laughs> that said, I, again, I want to thank Taylor for, for giving me her time and coming on. Reminder to, to go find her on social media. And in two days, on friday the 24th of march do wish her a very happy birthday um because she does happen to have the greatest birthday that anybody has had ever of all time just so happens to be my birthday as well that by the way is about that Um, i'll be back next week again talking about another one of my passions um Probably the passion you know me a little better for. I'll be talking about sustainability. I'll be speaking to a teacher at a uh, a green school. We're going to be talking about how um, she does things and makes things more sustainable. And very soon, I'll be speaking to uh, Annie from Inglés with Annie. Uh, she has a unique approach to how she she teaches English, so it'll be it'll be really fun to speak to her. But for now, that is about that. Thank you all for joining us. It's been a pleasure to to have you here again, Tyson. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, Senen, thank you for coming along. Um, Thanks, everybody, for being here. It's been wonderful. It's been lovely. And I'll speak to you very soon.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org.